to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's the icon, it's Lou, and we're here to look back at K-State's 31-20 loss to the Oklahoma State Cowboys and uh, preview a uh, big matchup here with the Oklahoma Sooners as they come into Manhattan for a 2.30 kickoff on Fox. Cancel Cancel the dentist appointments, folks. It's time for some Big 12 football. Aaron Goldsmith and Brock Heward on the call for uh, for Fox uh, here on Big Fox. 2.30 kickoff in what should be a uh, you know a really nice crowd here for K-State. I, I know uh, the uh, rain is in the forecast. Hopefully that stays away. But uh, we'll be looking at that matchup, and we'll be, of course, looking back at uh, K-State coming up short on the road in Stillwater. Uh, but D-Lou, I want to get, uh, get I, first I want to welcome you in. It's great to see you as always. Thank you, Icon. You know, this is the first time we've had to record a podcast of the Short Side Option, at least this season. We have recorded previous episodes of the Short Side Option following a loss. Um, but this one, you know, against Oklahoma State, a game that K-State got down early in and wasn't quite able to uh, really mount a whole lot of a challenge. They did cut it to a two-possession game there, you know, in the second half. But, you know, it was a game that K-State just struggled to find any sort of rhythm offensively. And, you know, honestly, defensively, they did find themselves a little bit in the second half, and we'll be sure to touch on that. But uh, it's nice to have you back here uh, on the airwaves with me here. You know, I wish we were meeting uh, following better circumstances, but uh, it's, it's great to be on with you too, Mr. Icon. Well, before we get too far into the Oklahoma State review, of course, want to, uh, want to uh, let folks know of our new partnership with uh, Manhattan Brewing Company as the new title sponsor of the short side option. Now, folks, I want to tell you a little bit about our friends here at the Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, Manhattan Brewing Company is located in the heart of downtown Manhattan at 406 Points Avenue. And, folks, their, their motto, quite frankly, is simple. We brew beer for the people of Manhattan because that's what we are and that's who we care about. And that, that pretty eloquently says it, I think. Yeah, you think? I mean, we record podcasts for the people of Manhattan, too, because that's if you're not a citizen of Manhattan... Turn off your radio. <laughs> Turn it off, baby. You know. By the way, I've been looking at our uh, at our at our numbers. We've got a nice uh, uh, following in, in Brussels, Belgium. Is that right? Around. Yeah, hard to believe, huh? Well, guten tag. Yeah, exactly. Well, back to Manhattan Brewing Company. You know these folks. Uh, you know they're they're excited to get involved with us here on the short side option. They have a tremendous selection of beers on tap with fifteen beers, all of which are brewed in house there at Manhattan Brewing Company. So there is sure. To be something that pleases any palate uh, a beer drinker, uh, Manhattan Brewing Company provides high-quality craft beer in a family-friendly atmosphere. You can enjoy views of downtown Manhattan as you sip on one of their classics like the Townie, which is a wheat brew with citra hops, or the Conservation Kolsch, a light in color and body beer with a slightly fruity aroma and taste. Uh, with that Conservation Kolsch, folks, uh, $1 of every pint that they sell goes to the Sunset Zoo in Manhattan to assist with their conservation efforts. So uh, a great cause there. So whether if you're looking to, to find a place to watch K-State play or, or wanting just to get together with your friends to catch up over a few beers, uh, Manhattan Brewing Company is just the spot for you. Uh, folks, that's Manhattan Brewing Company at 406 Points Avenue in Manhattan. So folks, we come to you after this, this uh, disappointing loss. K-State drops the season opener on the road to uh, 
the pokes, and quite frankly, we'll get into that one right now. You know, it was a game that going in, I think K-State fans, and, and I think both you and me alike, saw this game pretty similarly in terms that, you know, if K-State's going to be able to get it done in there uh, in Stillwater, which has been a tough place not only for K-State to go in and win at, but really for, you know, any team in the Big 12 to go in and, and go on the road there it, it is a bit of a tall task. And if K-State was going to do that, it, the recipe, I think, was relatively simple. The defense was going to have to show up and play well, and uh, K-State was going to have to find ways to you know be creative on offense and not turn the ball over. Unfortunately, they didn't either. Uh, of those of those three, they did get the special teams touchdown, though, which we we which thought we, might we thought play might a big be part. yeah we thought that could be a a part of the game, but you know Oklahoma State looked really good in the first half, moving the ball pretty well on K-State's defense which hadn't really given up much. I mean, really, when you think about it, uh, for, through the first three games of the season, uh, Oklahoma scores 31 points in the first half. Now, K-State does pitch a shutout in the second half uh, with the defense, but uh, the the 31-13 to 13 halftime lead w- was too much for K-State to overcome, and, and they drop one in Stillwater 31-20. to 20. Yeah, it was a, I got to say, it, it was a shocking first-half performance. Uh, by the K-State defense and the Oklahoma State offense, for that matter. I I was really expecting the defense to come out and, and be a really tough test for an offense uh, of Oklahoma State that hasn't been impressive at all this year. But it it that first half, I mean, the tail totally twisted mm-hmm. because K-State's defense looked totally hapless, um, giving up three consecutive uh, touchdown drives of uh, 75 yards, 73 yards, and 90 yards uh, for the first three times the K-State defense was on the field. Um, and then you add in the, the fumble in the end zone. Yeah. And so there was just a lot of mix-ups. K-State couldn't defend that early screen game, yeah. stupid personal foul penalties, and Oklahoma State was just really doing whatever they wanted on those first three drives. And, and you know, at that point, after those drives – felt like the wheels had already come off the game. I mean, before K-State knew it, they were already down uh, 31-10. to 10. Oklahoma State scoring on their first four times the offense had the ball and, of course, the defensive touchdown. And, you know, that is a recipe for K-State to lose the game before we're even close to halftime, really. Yeah. Um, so, uh, to their credit, Oklahoma State's offense looked extremely sharp yeah um, they did look sharp far better than they've looked in their first three games and so uh just a, an odd uh little change up there and the defense got back on its feet in the second half surprisingly after daniel green had left the game um but in any event um yeah that is that is a surprising fact because with him leaving the game in the first half now that's kind of important to note as we look ahead to the oklahoma game uh, unlike the first game of the season against Stanford where he um, was disqualified for targeting uh, late in that contest against Stanford he was not eligible for the first game or for the first half against Southern Illinois right this game against Oklahoma he's full bore he's able to go right away and so you know Daniel Green is a guy that through the first three games I thought probably the most important player on our well, defense. Well, I think we named him and Felix Anaduke Zama as the short side options defensive MVPs for the first three games. Right. Which and, is a and very in, prestigious honor. And in terms of a guy that this defense, you know, through the first three games that I thought this defense cannot afford to lose to yeah. Green. 
Um, he went down on Saturday, got ejected for targeting, and the defense, uh, like you said, pitched a shutout in the second half. And, and some people say, well, Oklahoma State took their ga- foot off the gas. Maybe so, but I we could talk about that a little bit. But I, I don't really, I didn't really see that. Oklahoma State was still passing the ball plenty. It's not as if they were just running head down into the line uh, every play. Uh, Spencer Sanders had plenty of passes in the second half. Um, so, in any event, in, in the first half there, uh, absolutely shocking. And, and I don't care if who was leading K-State's offense. It could have been Brett Favre out there for all I care. But I don't think that offense for K-State on Saturday night was going to be putting up over 30 points. Does Sonny Jurgensen maybe change the calculus no, on that? Yes, yeah, Sonny Jurgensen Okay, might. okay. Yeah. Well, just I just wanted to just yeah. check on that. Okay. Well, I think your point's well, well made there with... You know, K-State's defense, I mean, we talked about, as we led into that game, K-State wanted to play this game in the 20s, which is where, you know, K-State found themselves with 20 points. Um, But gosh, I mean, Oklahoma State, you could have put a, a, you know, a gun to my head and said, you know, does Oklahoma State score 30-plus in the first half against this K-State defense? And I would have certainly said no. I wouldn't be here today. There would be no more short side option. Au contraire, mon frere. So, uh, Oklahoma State only scored 24 against the defense. Well, I'm just talking the team. I know. Sorry, the but, semantics, but you're, you but, know, but you got to get into that. But, but we, well, well, if you think about it, I guess, the Oklahoma State offense put up 24 points, which is probably going to be too many. Um, but that's, but on that's, the other hand, you're, you're in the game, though. Yeah. And so, granted, they had one fewer possession. Um, but, um, Anyway, the, that first half on defense, K-State, it looked unlike anything I've seen out of this team so far this year. And who knows? Who knows why that happened? I, I think some individual players yeah. uh, were just taking naps on certain plays and just missing assignments. Uh, I, I've heard people point out the safeties. I thought Daniel Green, for his part, had a pretty lackadaisical first half as well, especially in coverage. Um, and so... I'm I'm walking back the defense, my defensive optimism, but I'm not yeah. I'm not all the way back. Yeah, because I, I think it's fair because I'm willing to say okay, it was one awful half and really just one awful quarter and a half, um, and maybe it was an apparition, maybe it was a sign of things to come, but um, right now I I'm not quite as high on the defense, but I still think it's pretty darn good defense. Well, and let's also kind of call it like it is in, in terms of what the defensive performance is. I mean, the offense outside that first drive didn't really do them much favor in terms of not really getting a whole lot going um, in, in terms of keeping that defense off the field. Um, you know, it, it, the defense was going to have to play very well for us to have a chance, and, and they certainly didn't do that through the first half. And I want to switch kind of the conversation here now to looking at the offense um, I well, don't have. And, and I, I think that was a really good point you just made because the defense was really on the field. Oh yeah, they were three on the straight field. possessions. Yeah, exactly. Because you had the you had the field goal, and those Oklahoma State drives were not exactly just two or three four play drives. I mean, they were seven. Were, yeah, they were they were a little <laughs> bit you know taking up some time. I mean, not a whole lot of time, but there's not a whole lot of um, you know rest for the defense in that situation. No, and there wasn't a, really an opportunity for uh, the guys upstairs to sit down and and really make have. 10, 15 minutes to make an adjustment either. Uh, because, like we said, you, K-State opens the drive with a field goal. 
Oklahoma State chugs down the field in kind of a startling answer against the defense. Uh, K-State gets the ball back, fumbles in the end zone, defense is back on the field. Um, or, I'm sorry, K-State gets the kick return. Yeah. Defense is right back on the field, gives up another touchdown. Then comes the fumble return yeah. for another touchdown. So it's back on the field. Yeah. And it's just it just snowballed from there. Yeah, you throw in that kick return, which was, you know, obviously much needed for K State to, to be able to put some points on the board. But uh, the defense certainly didn't get a whole lot of rest and they were out there a lot on uh, the field there on in Boone Pickett Stadium on Saturday. You know, I, I don't want to necessarily, you know, rehash this thing drive by drive, but I do want to talk a little bit about Kind of that first, that first possession for K State, where I thought there were some, kind of some highlights there in terms of, you know, some things that I kind of want to touch on. You know, a nice drive. K State goes thirteen plays, six minutes. It has to settle for a field goal, uh, eventually on that drive. But there are a couple things that just kind of kick K State. Um, in a bad position, you know, K-State gets the ball down. It's kind of inside the Oklahoma State red zone. They, you know, get five yards backed up for an illegal formation. Uh, at the 25, backs them up to the 30, and they end up having to settle from a, a field goal there. Uh, you know, a couple plays that were into the end zone where we had two guys kind of in the same spot which was a little bit confounding, but a pretty nice opening drive there for K-State. You know, in terms of, you know, if I if I tell you K-State's going to go 13 plays, 68 yards on their first drive, you'll take that. Um, it just didn't get paid off with a touchdown. There were, you know, of course, like I mentioned, having kind of those two guys in the same spot on that route uh, was a little bit confounding, but K-State wasn't really able to do much in terms of any sustained offense the rest of the half after that. Really the rest of the night. Really the rest of the night, exactly. I mean, there was the big play to Deuce for the other touchdown. Which was a broken kind of play. A broken play. But, you know, really, it, it, there was a little bit of promise there, but K-State needed a whole lot more of that uh, if they were going to be competitive on Saturday. No, I mean, from wire to wire, it was a bad game by really every unit. I, I, I just want to mention this. For it being an 11-point game, didn't that feel like one of the more lopsided 11-point games you'd ever totally. seen? Totally. Well, and that's just a product of the offense just yeah. being so lethargic all night. But, I mean, where do you start? Uh, obviously, Howard comes in, um, does a pretty good job on the first drive. The second drive, just the inexplicable fumble in the end zone. And, you know, there's... If we want to be fair, and, and I know I've, I've talked with you about this off-air... That was pretty much the turning point of the game to where K-State was. I don't want to say the game was over at 21-10 because I think that's maybe a little bit unfair, but that certainly left a lot. That certainly left a a steep uphill climb for K-State. And I think, you know, if you look at it objectively, you see given given Oklahoma State, a, a team that... You know, had moved the ball very well offensively up into that point, giving them essentially seven free points there. That, that Those are seven points you just can't give up in that situation. And for a, a team that's going to be challenged moving the ball without Skylar Thompson, that essentially, to me, when, when you look back at this game, was a, kind of a death blow. Well, absolutely when you look back. I mean, it, it was always going to be a challenge for K-State to get to 22 points in this game. And we had the kickoff return 
but uh, you know, finding yourself down with Oklahoma State right at that twenty-one mark, uh, and we're not even through the first quarter yet, then yeah, it felt like almost an insurmountable task at that point. Um, in case it ultimately didn't get to twenty-two points, uh, and so um, in any event, the the Howard fumble. There have been enough of those plays throughout his short career so far that those don't that it's not even that surprising anymore when something I I crazy saw, like that happens. I think I saw a stat in his thirteen games played, he's had seven fumbles. Yeah, that's too many. That's, <laughs> that's just too many. And I, I'm going off memory on that stat, so it, it may not be entirely correct, but it's certainly believable enough. Well, yeah, and so it you know Howard's got to be a game manager when he's in the game. He he cannot be doing stuff like that. He he can't be giving the other team points. And in two of the three games he's played in so far this year, that's exactly what he's done with the course of pick six against Southern Illinois. Um, aside from that, I thought he played okay, but that's a pretty big aside from that. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he gets injured, and then Jaron Lewis comes in, and, and K-State's pretty much just as limited, if not more, uh, with him behind center. And so... Um, kind of a rough performance from the quarterbacks on on Saturday. The offensive line just a, it seems like a different unit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go back and watch the game on Saturday, it, especially in the pass rush, uh, yeah. the interior of K State's defensive line, specifically center, uh, is just getting bowled back in uh, right into. Howard or, or Jaron Lewis's Lewis face, last, yeah. and it's not making life any easier for them. Um, Deuce was pretty bad in pass protection for most of the night, which is a tough ask for him. It's a tough ask for him, but it's part of the job. Yeah. I mean, I've heard people say, "Well, Deuce should never be pass protecting." Yeah, well, then you're telegraphing what's going on. If Deuce is in the backfield, you know, okay, he's not going to be asked to pass protect, which yeah. can be a pretty darn big tell. So he's got to be able to at least carry some water there. Um, the receivers pathetic, like it just awful. I mean, not getting separation, multiple drops. The offense Saturday was just really bad across the board. Um, and I, whether inserting Skyler fixes some of that, I think it does, um, just because it gives the defense a little bit more to worry about, and they can't just yep. focus on a yep. quarterback who can't really. They're not afraid of any passing threat from him. But all in all, uh, by far the worst performance uh, of the K-State offense this season. And uh, hopefully they get things turned around. Now granted, they were missing Emre Bebe, missing Skylar Thompson. So playing with a little bit of a hamstrung unit. But that seems to be... um, a K-State story. Over yeah, the last two years. And, and, and it's not just a it's not just a K-State story. I don't. I mean, it, it certainly is this year. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. But you know, gosh, I mean, every team's got injuries, um, and, and K-State unfortunately is just not as deep at some positions as as others. And well, not every team has had to play their best no, quarterback for eighty percent of the last. Well, and that's the thing too is I mean, how many teams have had to insert number three so far uh, for, for a whole half on the road. Right. Not not a whole lot. No, so th- so there is, there's something to be said about that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that some of this is, is bad luck, but um, even so, Skylar Thompson wasn't the one getting bullied by, or I'm sorry, Will Howard wasn't the one getting bullied by the Oklahoma State defensive linemen. He wasn't the one dropping passes. 
So if K-State's going to have success, and any success really, in Skylar Thompson's absence, it needs a better performance from, from some of these other pieces besides a quarterback position to, to give K-State any chance to, to put up enough points to win. Because asking the defense to hold the other team under 17 points um, is too big of an ask. K-State's offense has to be able to get to Got to get to 20 20s. Yeah, yeah. got to get to 28. Yeah. I think that's uh, not an unreasonable ask, and I think that's something that if K-State's going to find themselves winning a lot of games, or winning many games, honestly, in in the rest of the season, that's going to be have to, that's going to have to be a, a point threshold that they're able to clear. Um, let's go ahead, and, and we're going to, I know we're going to talk more about Skylar Thompson and his availability a little bit later on here in the podcast, but... Um, Gosh, from here, I want to kind of go to the defensive side of the ball. I won't necessarily say it was Jekyll and Hyde from first half to second half, but you can definitely point to that saying, you know, 31 points, albeit 24 of them coming, you know, really truly at the hands of the defense, and then pitching a shutout in the second half. I mean, so, you know, we talked a little bit, which, you know, you alluded to, um, a bit earlier about, oh, Oklahoma State took their, their foot off the gas in the second half. And, you know, quite frankly, I thought they call, called it a little bit more conservative. You have the numbers to kind of say that, you know, hey, the amount of run versus pass they did was, um, you know, relatively consistent with what they did in the first half. So I think you can't take some positive out of what K-State certainly did defensively in the second half, giving – you know, giving the Wildcats a chance there. I mean, because when you look at it, K State scored on that on that long little dump off to to Deuce Vaughn, where he's able to scoot all his way. I think it was a, I, you know, I'm looking at here, 55 yards for a touchdown, and that's right at the start of the uh, of the fourth quarter there. And you know, K State's going in the fourth quarter in a two score game with how things had been going to that point. You would have said, okay, that's rather fortunate to be in this situation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously K-State wasn't able to make the plays later on uh, to cut it much closer than the, the than that score. But, you know, the defense did stand up a little bit. There were some, quite, there were some you know, kind of poor performances. And doing all that without Daniel Green in the second half, too, I think right. it's not to be, you know, dismissed either because I think that has to kind of get factored in to kind of what this overall performance is uh, in the second half because you don't have your best player. Uh, out there making the calls in the middle and and being kind of the linchpin of that defense, but there's a lot of questions that you know that happened in the first half of that game that you leave kind of scratching your head about, saying, "What does this actually you know is this actually indicative of the K State defense going forward, or kind of what should we expect going forward?" And I think there there are plenty of questions there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Oklahoma State scores on their first four offensive drives. They don't score the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And so that's that. That ain't nothing. And yeah, and maybe, there's something to be said for that. I, it, I think that's fair to say. And maybe Gundy, you know, there, there's certainly an argument. Well, sure they passed some, but the playbook was vanilla as it gets, even with even though they were dropping back some. And you know, so I agree that there were some positives. One odd thing, Nate Matlack. Yeah, one snap. One snap. Yeah. Uh, the heir apparent to, to the uh, Khalid Duke position, and. You know, K State, like we like we anticipated, Joe Hennington got a lot of time on Saturday. Um, sorry, 
Joe, and, and Ryan. He, he got some time. Yeah, too. Joe Hennington. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, so, um, K-State comes out per- totally prepared for the heavy dose of run that Oklahoma State yeah. showed at Boise. Yeah. And Spencer Sanders, to his credit, I mean, Oklahoma State played really, really well. I mean, sometimes... He- and, you know, I don't want to, you know, get off here on, on a different topic, but... You know, Spencer Sanders has some talent. I don't think there's any question about that. He had he had not played well through the first three games. No. But you knew he had the ability to play well. He's thrown for plenty of yards. Yeah, he's pl- and he's done he's done well for Oklahoma State before in the past. And he had himself one of his better games. Uh three hundred and forty four yards. At least in the last two or three years that I've seen him play. That was really the difference. I mean, when you look at it is you know, Oklahoma State was going to have to get better quarterback player. They weren't going to, you know, do well, and, and receiver play too. And, yeah, um, and they were a little bit, little bit more healthy at that position. You know, with uh, from what they were against Boise, but um, uh, well, Spencer Sanders was making throws he hadn't made in the first three games, and Oklahoma State's receivers were making catches that they had. The screen game, game, as you mentioned earlier, too, was a big issue. For that was yeah, absolutely. But was but even beyond issue. the screen game. Um, the downfield passing, some of those catches yeah. on the on the sideline. I mean, those are plays that Oklahoma State flat out hadn't been making, and so I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think, well, in varying degrees. I, I think the K State defense had by far their worst game of the year, um, at least in the first half, and I think the Oklahoma State offense had easily, uh, far and away, their their sharpest performance of the year so far. So, like I said, I, I'm willing to give the defense. One freebie, one one free half, basically, and say you guys, have, I haven't lost faith in you yet. Um, but but your lease is it's getting a little tighter. And you're you're facing another offense this week who who has struggled this year so far, but by has all counts has yeah has a chance to turn it on. So uh, hopefully the uh, defense gets uh, gets things back on track. Well, um, I don't want to necessarily belabor on this game because I think we've kind of you know touched on the big parts here. The one thing I want to go back to is on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, really, our first extended look here at Jaron Lewis. And, gosh, I mean, kind of a tough way to grade him because he's kind of getting thrown in the fire here. But from what you saw, what were your impressions on, on what Jaron Lewis showed on Saturday? I don't think he's a world beater by any stretch. I mean, granted, the, the playbook. I will say one thing. What's that? That drive at the end of the first half, I thought he showed a little bit of moxie in that two-minute drill. I agree. down there in the field. Yeah. And, and that earned him, whether if it was, you know, because Will Howard wasn't exactly letting the world on fire. Now he left with injury, uh, of course, in, in the Oklahoma State game. And he, he did come back out in the third quarter at, at the start. I thought Will Howard, uh, or I, excuse me, I thought Jaron Lewis did show a little bit there. But, I mean, gosh, he's he's kind of running for his life a little bit of the night, and, you know, he looks about what you would expect a third-string quarterback to look like. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot uh, of debate on that. Well, and once Will Howard went down, uh, according to Kleiman, K-State got a lot more conservative with respect to quarterback health. Kind of limits the, the playbook, game. limits yeah. what the K-State offense really has to threaten to have success, especially in the running game. Um, trying to protect Lewis, not, not get him hurt. And go to uh, Rubley or, or whoever else made the trip, whoever number four was, um, and so a little hard to grade him out. But I mean, 
I certainly don't think that it's some grave injustice that he's been behind Will Howard to this point. No, I, uh, he, I don't he think didn't. That he didn't come in and, and show any kind of stark contrast. It, it looked uh, like, like you said, like a third string quarterback. Yeah, and you know, I guess we'll we'll flip flop back to the defense here. You, you look at the guys that led K State in tackles: Nick Allen, Cody Fletcher, T.J. Smith. Now, T.J. Smith. His availability is a little bit in question here as we head into Oklahoma. Um, you know, K-State's got some injury issues on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, most of the injury talk is is with the quarterback position, but the defensive side of the ball ha- has some injury marks as w- or injury uh, question marks as well. Uh, Reggie Stubblefield looks to be back into the mix, uh, per- perhaps this week. Be good to have him, you know, with a with a passing game like you see with Oklahoma coming into town. But you know, there there are question marks and and injury concerns throughout uh, the Wildcat defense as well uh, in comparison to the offense. Yeah, I mean it's tough sledding, but there's there's certainly been some uh, attrition on the injury front on defense. When you think of uh, Khalid Duke and and Stubblefield, like you mentioned, and now T.J. Smith. Uh, starting to add up a little bit on on a defense that had some okay depth at certain positions, but when you start getting in across the D line, and especially when it appears that you know in Khalid Duke's absence that it's Spencer Trussell actually, yeah, and not Nate Matlack who's who's next man up, um, the defense starts to get a little worrisome at, at some spots, uh, you know, so. We'll see what the uh, the depth chart looks like this week against Oklahoma, but certainly something to keep an eye on as we continue through the 2021 season. Well, let's kind of close a book here on Oklahoma State. Let's put game. a bow on it. Let's put a bow on it. Let's move on. Let's, as they say, wash it. Get it out of your system. Yeah. They never talk about it again. Never talk about it again. We move forward. And that's what we're going to do here on the Short Side Option Podcast. I did want to give you, I always like to give you the last word here, D'Lo. Anything else you want to add uh, in regards to the Oklahoma State game? No. No. You just uh, never want to talk about it. Again. No. I, I, you know, aside from the return touchdown, Malik Knowles, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's fair to talk about. I yeah. think that's a, a, a point that, you know, he had a couple plays that were out there to be made. Uh, on on some deep passes where it just whether if it's I don't know if it's lack of concentration with the drops or, or what the case is because I mean I, I think that there were a couple that when I look back at it and think you know that's a play that I've seen him make before well and they're they're to his credit they weren't gift wrapped I mean no no they, they were 50 50 balls but if you're thinking that this is a guy who I mean is wants to be a number one receiver and, uh, you know, is trying to take that next step to become a really nice yeah. receiver and, and maybe get on an NFL roster someday, it, you just expect him to have taken that next step by this point. And, and so I haven't really – he's just he's, – it's just not – making plays well and it's on, on like you mentioned i mean those aren't necessarily gift wrapped you know balls where it just hits him in the hands and he drops them. i mean they are 50 50 plays but gosh i'm gonna be honest with you i don't see a whole lot of competitiveness in those 50 50 plays i didn't see him make a great effort on, on a lot of those well and that's hard to judge i mean i i don't i'm not really good at judging a receiver's 
effort, but it's just like make the some some of those plays you got to make some of them. Yeah, and they just have making too few. Yeah, there just haven't been enough of those. I mean, and you know he didn't do the offense any favors when he takes that second kick return out of the end zone because he's uh, kind of feeling himself and and after the first kickoff return and ends up at the six yard line. And, yeah. And, that was a killer. The dirty little secret is the way our defense was playing and the way our offense looked the rest of the night. I mean, decent chance KC yeah. goes three and out and gives yeah. up a four-play, four-five-yard drive. And I don't mind him taking a chance there because KC kind of has to do that in this game. And but, you I mean, you can't start that deep in your own end zone. Go to the I can't middle of the field. And, and I can't recall offhand how deep it was in the end zone. It was deep enough to where you probably you should go ahead and take it. You, well, I remember him taking it out, and I was like, eh. Oh, one, well, of, one of those. Because like, well, it, it was over pretty much as it started. Well, yeah, and the K-State kickoff returns, a lot of them are kind of slow developing sometimes where they're not just trying to get vertical as fast as possible. They, they go to the middle of the field and try to set up their blocks and, and, and do it that way. But took too much time getting over to the middle of the field, only got to the six-yard line. And, yeah. and so K-State starts its, uh, its second drive in the shadow of its own goalposts, and then... Good night. Disaster ensues. Yeah. So, okay. Now, the bow is on. The bow is on. We're moving it's, it's, it's in the mail. It's Oklahoma. It's over. We're, we're on to Oklahoma, as uh, the great Bill Belichick uh, would say, but only swapping that out with we're on to Cincinnati. Big game there in Foxborough this week, the return for mm-hmm. Tom Brady, which if you've been watching any sort of TV, you you know all about that because that's the, the game of the week here in the NFL. But... Let's uh let's get it back here to Oklahoma. I mean, gosh, in case they go for three straight, and that's that's the that's the whole thing in this in this game that is is really interesting to me. I mean, last year I think you can take pretty much anything with a grain of salt. COVID year, whatever. K State's dead in that game. Yeah, I mean, dead as a doornail. They come back and they pull. I'm going to go ahead and say it's the most unlikeliest comeback that I've had the opportunity to see as a K-State fan. I mean, uh, there's not one that comes back to me that comes to mind that's you know as dramatic of a comeback from where things were looking at or how things were you know presently in that game to where uh, they ultimately ended up with K-State uh, pulling the upset there in Norman. But you know, in the game in in 2019, let's be honest, K-State really was the better team throughout that game. I mean, Oklahoma. You know, came on with a flurry. back. Yeah, they, they came on with a flurry there and, and um, you know, had a chance with that onside kick that obviously got overturned there, as K-State fans will remember. But K-State's got a great opportunity here to go, you know, three straight against Oklahoma, which if you would have told me that uh, when, when K-State hires Chris Klein, that in year three we're going for three straight wins over, over Oklahoma, I'm – I'm just kind of scratching my head at you and looking at you a little funny, but uh, that's where we find ourselves. And this is a this is a matchup that I'm going to be honest with you, D'Lu. Any chance that K State has in this game, I'm just going to be honest with you. The only chance they have in this game is that Skylar Thompson's able to play. I agree. I mean, the even with Skylar Thompson, pretty tall odds. It's yeah. a pretty tall order. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma hasn't been super impressive this year, but they're still the number six team in the country. I yeah. Mean, they, they still have plenty of talent. They have a defense that looks uh, a bit revamped can, uh, compared to some of the uh, OU teams in recent memory, and a quarterback that has plenty of talent too. Yeah, no and question. So, 
Yeah, I, I totally agree that K-State's got to score some points in this game. And we, we talk about the, the last two contests, but in each of those, K-State got at or near 40 in both of those. Um, yeah, so, I think it was 38-35 last year, and then I want to say like 41-37. Yeah. So, so right around the there. Yeah. And I, so I, I think that the, the defense is going to have a – a, a difficult time trying to contain the Oklahoma full frontal assault. Yeah. Um, who can get it done through the air on the ground, whether it's uh, Radler thrown to the host of talented wide receivers or, or guys like Kennedy Brooks running it uh, all, all around the yard, um, which the Oklahoma offense does. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think K-State's got to have the best performance out of its offense all year. And I think in order for that to happen uh, – I, I don't think that that Will Howard's going to be able to command an offense to score 35-plus points against a quality Oklahoma defense. You know, and we mentioned I mentioned earlier, potential for rain in the forecast. If you, you get a little bit of a, of, of a rain game where the, that, the football's wet, maybe that slows down a little bit of what Oklahoma wants to do throwing the football. But, gosh, I mean, it's going to be something to keep an eye on, at least in terms of the, the conditions. But K-State's going to have to play, you know, a great game defensively to, to give their team a chance in this one. And, you know, you look back at the, the game in 2019, the game in 2020 against Oklahoma, and you look at the defense's performance. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's going to score some points. No question about that. that that's what they do. They haven't really done it so far yet this season but in those games that K-State's been able to pull the upset, you know, they've had some great opportunities to, to do it with turning turning Oklahoma over. And K-State is going to have to be able to find a way to be, you know, against Oklahoma State last week, I believe they were minus two in the turnover department, one of which being, you know, directly responsible for seven points. Against Oklahoma, they're certainly going to have to be plus, plus two in that turnover margin. And, uh, you know, also have great special teams play to have a chance in this one. But, like I said, I don't think we could we could sit here all day and analyze it. But unless K-State's able to find something offensively uh, in this game against Oklahoma, it's going to be uphill sledding throughout the day. Uh, totally. Uh, totally. I, I think that, uh, you know, K-State just can't afford to go one-dimensional. Like, they've – I mean, K-State threw the ball plenty against Oklahoma State but didn't really have much success with it. K-State's going to have to – to have a capable passing attack in order to put up points on Saturday. And, and I think Skylar Thompson is the guy K-State needs. So let's go ahead and talk about this now with Skylar Thompson's availability. You know, there's been a lot of kind of mixed signals. Actually, I wouldn't say they're really mixed no. signals because they've been pretty uniform, yeah. uh, depending on where you listen to. But, you know, I guess if you read the message boards, if you kind of read the insider talk, there's – belief that Skylar Thompson will play and, and will get the start on Saturday with anything that Cl uh, Chris Kleiman said and Courtney Messingham has said in, in their media availability. Throughout the week paints a picture that Skylar Thompson's you know highly unlikely to go in this game. Uh, D'Lo, I don't know about you, but I'm anticipating Skylar Thompson starts this game for K-State. Uh, it's hard to say. It I is mean, hard to say. I, and, I, and when I say that, I'm not saying I'm, you know – Staking my name here that Skylar Thompson is going to play and start in this game, but I think it's likely that he does get some action, and I think he will start for K State. 
Don't take that to the bank, folks, but that's my speculation. Well, you can take it to the bank if the icon says it. That's what I said. Oh, wow, wow. Uh, there we go. No, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, um, I certainly hope, you know, this is Skylar Thompson's last year. He's had a, he didn't really have much of a season last year. Sure. One of the biggest games uh, in recent memory for K-State, who's still 3-1 and one and has really still everything in front of him. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and so you would think that if there's a chance he could go, he he would. Uh, on the other hand, if the coaches say, listen, uh, it's a, Oklahoma's a tall order, even with Skylar Thompson, let's take him, let's, let's roll with what we got against Oklahoma and Will Howard, uh, give Thompson the bye week, have him come back fresh, at a, definitely 100% for Iowa State, and move on and, and still try to have some kind of a season we could be proud of here. I get that too. Um, but I get both sides of the coin too, but I, I, at the end of the day, if he's cleared to play, I think he plays. I mean, I don't think I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, um, and and whether if, if clear to play is uh, fully a hundred percent or, you know, maybe 70 percent, I don't know what that looks like. But if he's clear to play by the doctors, I think he'll play. And I don't care if he he's they're gonna limit the, the offense and for the yeah, yeah. But he's uh, I think that in order for K State to have any shot on Saturday, I think Skylar Thompson's got to be the one throwing the football. I would tend to agree uh, wholeheartedly. And before we kind of look at what OU brings to the table, which uh, they bring a lot, let's uh, go ahead and give another quick mention to our to our friends over at Manhattan Brewing Company. You know, I, I talked a little bit about the, the great beer and atmosphere they have over at Manhattan Brewing Company. But I wanted to also mention uh, that they're, they're always hosting some, some fun events, and you can get involved with them um, on Instagram by following them at Manhattan Brewing and on Twitter at Manhattan Brew. Uh, so you can stay up to date on all the upcoming events uh, and parties that they're having at Manhattan Brewing Company. Earlier this week, I saw they were hosting a little bit of NFL Blitz 2000. Now, Drew, I know you used to play a little bit of NFL Blitz 2000. Yeah, it's better than just regular NFL Blitz. See, I disagree. Oh, I was a big fan of the old Blitz. Regular NFL Blitz has cheap plays and... That's the beauty of the game. Man. Yeah, I know. The, the bomb was just too unstoppable in, in uh, original Blitz. But Blitz 2000 is really nice competitive balance. and uh, except, when your t- except when one team falls behind a little bit. Then all of a sudden, the, the outside great. The outside forces. Yeah. Uh, A.K.A. the Blitz gods. They get into the game there. And, you know, in addition, I know I mentioned you can follow them on Instagram at Manhattan Brewing and on Twitter at Manhattan Brew. Uh, you can also check out their website at www.mhkbeer.com. There you can keep up with all the events that they have going on. You can also purchase items through their shop, such as t-shirts and hats, as well as tickets to upcoming events like Yoga at the Brewery on October 23rd uh, and Pumpkins and Pints on October, 25th, on October 24th. Be sure to visit their website for more information on all of those upcoming events. And folks, like I said, their motto over at Manhattan Brewing Company is simple. We brew beer for the people of Manhattan because that's what we are and that's who we care about. So uh, give those fine folks a, a look. And, you know, if you're in Manhattan for the game, be sure to swing over there on, on Friday or, or Saturday and uh, and grab yourself a pint there. That's right. So got some beer, watch some sports. Yeah, absolutely. It should be a, a great week uh, weekend to be back in Manhattan. I know there's going to be a nice crowd there uh, for the game on Saturday. 
and it should be a fun weekend uh, back in Manhattan. I'm, I know I'm going up to the game on Saturday. Really looking forward to getting back into uh, what should be a, a full Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Um, so let's go ahead. Uh, Spencer Rattler, he leads the offense. You know, he was the Heisman front runner coming in the season, and you know, quite frankly, it's not gone well for him. Uh, and I say it's not gone well for him. He's got eight touchdowns, three interceptions, over a thousand yards passing through four games now. Pathetic. Pathetic. Right. <laughs> you know, but OU fans are calling for his head. They, they yeah. want they want the backup in. And uh, now granted, uh, how many of those came against Western Carolina? Uh, the Catamounts are a, a very formidable defense. Yeah, they? five of those touchdowns came against uh, Western Carolina in the Sooners' seventy-six to nothing route. So, so maybe you're telling me Western Carolina is maybe not overly formidable. Maybe not. Um, Oklahoma, aside from the Western Carolina game, all three of their other games been one-score games at the end, and each ended uh, with each, each was in doubt. Doubt. Yeah. I, I mean, mean Nebraska I remember... got the ball back with forty seconds left, yeah. a chance to tie. Yeah. But uh, otherwise. Not comfortable performances against West Virginia and against, um, of course, Tulane. Yeah. And so, you know, this K-State fans have to remember that as bad as we're feeling about the team on after the performance on Saturday, Oklahoma's not feeling too high on the hog uh, after f- four games so far for the Sooners. With Spencer Radler, too, you know, he, as I mentioned, front runner for the Heisman uh, going into the season. He's obviously still in that conversation. As long as Oklahoma stays undefeated, he's going to be there. In that conversation, uh, as one of the the leading candidates for the Heisman Trophy, but you know, I was listening to some some national uh, college sports radio, and they painted an interesting picture. So with Spencer Rattler, he of course you know has his whole name, image, and likeness uh, set up there, where he's you know got a lucrative deal there. But they've talked about some players throughout uh, the country that after signing these big name, name image, and likeness deals where they haven't quite performed uh, really with what uh, maybe expectations were. You look at Clemson with uh, DJ Ungag or gosh, I can't say his name, Ungagale, I believe is how you, Ungagale, I think is how you maybe pronounce it. I know you're well-versed with that. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, Clemson, they find themselves out of the top 10 for the first time in like I want to say it was like 92 weeks Wow, that they've been in the top 10. They're barely hanging on the pole at 25. Graham Mertz at Wisconsin, another big-name image and likeness guy. Uh, they're off to a terrible start at Wisconsin. I think he's thrown one touchdown to six interceptions uh, so far here in the season. So, you know, maybe some of these outside pressures uh, kind of mounting for these guys. Um, but, you know, DJ or with, uh, with Spencer Rattler, you know, you look at um, what he's done, most of what – his stats are is in that game against Western Carolina. He's been shaking some of the other ones, and you know Oklahoma's got plenty of firepower on offense. They they've got a good running game. They've got great wide receivers. He he's got a pretty easy job. You expect Oklahoma to be able to kind of settle in here eventually and get back to kind of that old Sooner offense uh, of old, so to speak. Well, yeah, you you would think that they're going to eventually hit that stride. Um, now, whether it's against K State or not. Uh, remains to be seen because, like I said, I, I still have some faith in this defense that it it can cause some havoc and make life difficult when they're playing uh, their game, which they just were not uh, for the first four drives on Saturday. Uh, but, I, you know, it, it's so easy to be totally reactionary uh, after a game and think, boy, K-State's defense gave up 
looked so bad in the first half against Oklahoma State. Now they're facing an Oklahoma offense with, like I said, Kennedy Brooks and, and Spencer Rattler, the, presum- the preseason Heisman guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I would be surprised again if Oklahoma comes out and, and torches this K-State defense right off the bat um, just because they haven't been in rhythm yet this year. And, mm-hmm. and the uh, the road test is going to be hard for Spencer Sanders, who's still, I mean, he's what? He's Will Howard's age. Yeah. And so he has just about as little experience as Howard does. Yeah. I mean, I mean this, this is, is not a this season This is his, essentially his first road game. Right. And so um, I don't think this is exactly going to be a cakewalk for him to try to get things back on the right side for the OU offense. Um, but so I think it'll be an interesting matchup on Saturday. Now, granted, this is really Oklahoma State was really what I thought was the first time K State faced uh, an offense that turned out to be fairly well balanced. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, last week we were saying, oh, this Oklahoma State offense just can't throw, and they couldn't through the first three games, but they certainly could on Saturday night. Yeah, it, and it whether was, that's a personnel thing yeah. or just getting back on track. And I think a little bit of it is with Spencer Sanders, you have seen some of that. It was just maybe him playing up to his potential a little bit better. And, you know, it might be as simple of a explanation as that for what Oklahoma State wants to do offensively. But, yeah, I mean, they haven't shown it to, yet to this point, you know, in the season. and Well, and also not playing as shorthanded as they were yeah. with the receivers. Yeah, I, exactly. I think that, that helped. I think that that solved a lot of problems for Oklahoma State once they got some of their personnel back. But So another tough task for the, the K-State defense this week, and, and maybe – probably even tougher than they faced last week. Granted, against another offense who needs to get things figured out uh, to be where they want to be in Oklahoma, but uh, I think it'll be another chance for K-State's off or K-State's defense to redeem itself after the shaky performance last week where they were leaking a little bit of oil and uh, kind of reestablish themselves as one of the top defenses in the conference. You know, I, I certainly hope that uh, that this K-State defense is able to rebound. They should be getting a little bit healthier, as I mentioned. Re- Reggie Stubblefield uh, being back in the mix as, as a uh, somebody that can play in the secondary. T.J. Smith's um, availability is going to be uh, a question going in. But, you know, K-State's going to have to find ways to get pressure on Rattler, too. That's the, where this game, right. I think, it's really paramount for K-State. It, is what do they do? I mean... You can't sit back and play coverage all day on Rattler and let him just sit back in the pocket because he'll be able to make plays back there. But uh, you have to, you know, kind of spice things up and, and bring blitzes maybe from some different angles that he may may have not seen yet. So Joe Klinerman and the defense have their work definitely cut out for him. You know, when I look at this Oklahoma offense, you know, Marvin Mims, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, uh, Michael Woods the second some of their best wide receivers, Mario Williams, uh, another guy that is, you know, with Oklahoma here as of late, they've always got guys that are able to uh, to uh, go out there and play the wide receiver. As as one guy I always know, he would say they got a bunch of frisbee catching dogs out there. You know, they, you just go throw it out to them and they'll they'll find a way to to go out there and catch it. And with Oklahoma, there's no exception this year. They got an extremely talented, uh, you know, across the board at all the skill positions. Defensively, you know, you look at that one game against Tulane where they gave up, I believe it's 35 points to the Green Wave. Outside of that, pretty darn solid. I mean, the um, the Oklahoma defense has been much maligned. Going into this season with Alex Grinch there as the defensive coordinator for the Sooners, 
you know, it, 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 you got the feel that this was going to be maybe their best defense they've had here in some time in, in, in Norman. And I think you may have that uh, with this Sooners defense. A defense that kind of started playing better towards the end of last season and outside of that Tulane game have really um, have really shown pretty well this season. Yeah, they, they really have. And, and granted, they haven't been facing world beaters on the other side yet. Uh, I mean, they've, like we said, Western Carolina, Nebraska, Tulane, and West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia is probably the best offense they faced all year and limited the Mountaineers to only 13 points last week in uh, Norman. And so uh, I think it's fair to say that this Oklahoma defense probably for real. Um, yeah, and I think that's fair to say. And if they're going up against a K-State offense that hasn't really uh, shown to be too scary. No. no <laughs> I think that's a pretty charitable Even way. less scary with, uh, with Will Howard. Right. I mean, so I, I think, um, you know, it's it's going to be tough sledding for K-State regardless of who the quarterback is, but one makes it a little easier than the other. Um, but, no, Oklahoma, I think, you know, Lincoln Riley's probably going to get the offense figured out at some point this year. He's got a pretty darn good track record on the offensive side of the ball. And if he does, if and when he does, uh, this Oklahoma team is going to feel like a pretty darn complete uh, team and one that's one of the best teams in the country like everybody thought they were going to be prior to the season. Now the Oklahoma limitations on offense so far, kind of dialing back uh, some of the high hopes for the Sooners team. But assuming Riley gets it figured out, yeah, they got a darn good defense and, and a Heisman contender on offense, and that's a pretty scary team. Want to give you a few names to look out for for the Oklahoma defense uh, when you're watching this game on Saturday. Perion Winfrey at the defensive line position, Nick Benito, and uh, Isaiah Thomas. Not the basketball player, but uh, he saw his eligibility. You know, he's a, he's grown quite a bit too. Uh, but uh, these guys all all first round talent NFL players. I mean, these guys are are really. Uh, Probably, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say some of the most defensive or some of the most talented defensive players Oklahoma's had here in the last several years. Uh, Delarian Turner Yell back in the secondary is kind of uh, the quarterback of the defense there from the safety position. This is going to be a team that, you know, they haven't quite hit their stride yet. And I'm a little bit worried that, you know, they haven't looked really good so far. They kind of survive against West Virginia, and that's a game, folks, that if you caught any of that, I know it was going on at the same time as the K-State game uh, last week against Oklahoma State, but if you watch that Oklahoma-West Virginia game, West Virginia had every opportunity to win that game. Yeah. Every opportunity. I mean, they they have it kind of going in there uh, to get the uh, go-ahead score and a bad snap that sets them out of field goal range and really just, you know, takes the momentum away from the West Virginia side. But, gosh, West Virginia probably feels coming away from that game that they should have won it. And you wonder if that might be the wake-up call that Oklahoma needs. You would have thought it would have came against Nebraska. You might have thought it came against Tulane in week one. But this Oklahoma team, plenty of talent. You almost feel like it's a matter of time before they, they kind of figure it all out and put it all together. And I'm just one hoping that it doesn't come against K State this week. Yeah, although one thing to keep in mind, next week is Red River. Yeah, the Sooners. That's true. 
And that's Texas just played a little bit better. Yeah, that's that's of course the biggest game of Oklahoma's season just about every year. Um, and so maybe an opportunity to catch the Sooners sleeping a little bit. Now, granted, they haven't been like we've said a thousand times on here tonight. Haven't been crushing it um, like they do usually in the early part of the season. Uh, so maybe K State, the immediate threat has more of its attention than in the game in Dallas. But uh, something to keep in mind that, you know, with Red River looming here in a couple weeks. It, does it not seem to me that we always play Oklahoma before the Red River rivalry game? Well, let's, uh, let's check it out here, Mr. Icon, because in 2020, K-State played Oklahoma uh, the week before the Texas Tech game. Or, no, I'm sorry, that was for uh, Oklahoma. Or, I'm sorry, that was for well, I and I'm looking back and I'm thinking a little bit about like that 2000 game, right? Because that was after the the tech the, the Texas game where Oklahoma blew them out. But it seems like we're always kind of just either on one side or the other of that Texas game, which makes sense, you know, the three premier brands in the Big 12, yeah, you know, kind of bunched up right there. That doesn't make I mean, that's not a surprise to either you or me, but. Uh, it seems like we're always kind of sandwiched in right around that uh, that Texas game throw you and you know I think K State with having having had beat Oklahoma the last two seasons it makes it makes me think that OU's not having their attention elsewhere it's it's fully on K State here. Well, last year K State uh, did not play Oklahoma the week before the Texas game for Oklahoma. Uh, they played. Oklahoma the week before Oklahoma played Iowa State, uh, a game they also lost, and okay. that game was just before the Red River Shootout. Okay. So, uh, so maybe there is something to this. There's maybe something to that. Okay. Well, you know, D'Lo, I think we've kind of touched on on kind of the main highlights here of this Oklahoma defense. I want to talk just really briefly, and I think the answer is fully uh, kind of serving as the linchpin of, of who's back there at quarterback for K-State. But in, in what scenario do you see – Let's we'll play with the scenario with Skylar Thompson playing quarterback. What's the scenario that, that K-State's able to move the ball offensively, uh, you know, on Saturday against Oklahoma? Oh, if I, if, assuming Thompson's in the game, I think it absolutely starts with the offensive line. K-State, our offensive line, cannot afford to have a game like it had on Saturday yeah. night against Oklahoma Agreed. State. Because K-State – I mean, they were. That's the worst performance by the offensive line I've seen at some time, where K State could get nothing going on their ground, and it was a porous effort in the pass protection game. So I think in order for K State to have any chance, regardless of who's the quarterback, the offensive line needs to be playing just about the best game of their season so far. Um, you know, this Chris Kleiman offense, it it's so dependent on having really a dominant offensive line. Yeah, and, and agreed. And it, if it's not going to be dominant, it at least has to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so they can't be having Thompson, whose mobility is going to be in question, even if he plays, uh, have him, having him run for his life back in the backfield. They got to open holes for, for Deuce Vaughn, and, and that just wasn't happening on Saturday night. Whether it was, again, getting bullied, just bull rushed into the pocket or not getting out fast enough on their pulls in the running game. Um, I think the offensive line has to perform in case it has to have some success running the football. And then, of course, wide receiver play. And, yep. and 
I don't know what Emmer DeBebe's status is going to be this Looks week. Looks doubtful. Um, well, then that hurts because yeah. K-State's now, maybe offense was, Maybe they might be playing the same you know, games with uh, with Skylar Thompson's availability with, with a matter Bebe, but uh, it doesn't sound like he might be available either. Well, then that's really bad news because K-State's pretty limited in terms of pass catchers anyway, um, especially guys who can punish teams um, in the middle of the big targets. Um, so... In any event, I think K-State's offense is going to have to play the best game of the season. And the receivers are going to have to make those 50-50 plays we were talking about earlier with Malik Knowles and uh, really get up. I mean, K-State's going to have to, I would assume, I, I have a hard time seeing K-State's defense do exactly what West Virginia did on Saturday um, where they hold Oklahoma to 16 points. Boy, I, I can't remember. I can't last remember the last time I've seen Oklahoma score 16 points yeah. in a game. Yeah. No, I mean, I know they got blown out in some of those playoff games, yeah. but I still feel like they put up some points. Yeah. Um, but So I think K-State's numbers at least going to have to be over 30 on Saturday if they want to have a chance. Um, but in, in to get there, I think it's just really, I think, the offensive line. I, if there's one X factor, I think, number one, it's a given that Thompson has to be the quarterback. Number two, I think the offensive line has to play one of the best games they've played in the last few years under Kleiman. I agree wholeheartedly. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's a great synopsis of that. Let's go ahead and get to the pick. K-State's now showing via, you know, what I'm seeing here on ESPN, showing as a 12-point underdog to the Sooners. Dealing with your pick. I'm going, uh, I'm going Sooners. I have to. I, and... I just don't think K-State's offense has enough firepower to to hang in there. Um, you know, against Oklahoma last year, we still had everything. I mean, it was early in the season. Everybody yep. was healthy. Yeah. You had Skylar Thompson. You had Briley Moore. You had all the guys. Yep. You had a full offensive line. Um, and on defense, I just have to think that this Oklahoma offense is going to start clicking here at some point. And that the defense can still play a great game and hold this offense to – 31, 30 points. Yeah. I mean, that's just, they're, it's that talented of an offense. And yeah. they haven't shown it so far, but you just know that, hell, even if Spencer Sanders gets hurt, there's still a five-star quarterback behind him. Yeah. I mean, that's just the level of depth K-State's playing on Saturday. And so, I mean, I think that the defense, like I said, the defense can play pretty well and still give up 30 points. And that's just kind of a function of, of Oklahoma's offense. So I'll, I'll get to a score and say that, uh, I think Oklahoma wins this fairly comfortably. I'll say, uh, I'll say, I'll say the K State defense plays pretty well, but gives up 28 points, and the K State offense struggles again, gives uh, only puts up 13, 28 to 13. Now I have a question for you, Dylan. Do you think there's any chance that K State might settle in a little bit with it being the second straight week that the defense goes up against a quarterback named Spencer? Well, it's certainly something to consider. I mean, there's a level of comfort there. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, actually, just a minute ago. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, if if Oklahoma drives down the field, first drive of the game, 75 yards, uh, six, seven, eight plays. Yeah. I think the defense has that level of familiarity where they could say, okay, we've been here before. Yeah. We faced another quarterback named Spencer last week. Yeah. And guess what? We shut him out in the second half. Exactly. I think there's something to be, I think that's an underlooked, point of the game there. yeah boy that you know I it's, kinda, it's that next level research yeah. folks it's that next level research and d lou i hate to to agree with you on this one but 
I've got Oklahoma winning this one too, and I've got a little bit more lopsided. I've got 38 to 20. Um, too much firepower for Oklahoma, not enough firepower for K-State. Now, I will say there's a little bit of hope that, you know, well, let's say Skylar Thompson's able to play, which I do assume he will. I think K-State's live in this game. I will say that. But I just, I, you wonder a little bit. There's just too much concern with kind of what his, you know, level of being back might be and, and not being able to utilize him in the running game. Now, you have to remember, last uh, time out in Manhattan against Oklahoma, Skylar Thompson ran for five touchdowns. A lot of touchdowns. Yeah, it You is. know what? If Skylar Thompson runs, I'll say this. Skylar Thompson runs for five touchdowns on Saturday. You like, like chance? Chance. You like him. I yeah. do, too. I did too, but just a little. And I think Skylar Thompson gives K State a chance in this game if he's able to go, but just a little bit too much uncertainty surrounding his availability and what what kind of health he's at. I gotta take the Sooners, and I'm taking them 38-20. So, Dilo, anything else you want to say here before we uh, we move it on? No, other than you know, sometimes K State wins these when we think we don't really have much of a prayer. I mean, they sure they won one about every year for the last three years. Um. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd go back to even 2018 that Oklahoma State game. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I picked us in that game. I do remember that. Well, and I think we were like 17 or 18 point underdogs. Or we were we were we were dogs underdogs. We were dogs. Um, but I don't think we're that deep. But that's that's it was a pretty wide pretty wide spread if I remember right. But so uh, no, if Casey goes out there and wins on Saturday, will I be surprised? Absolutely. But yeah, I wouldn't be any more surprised than I was last year or the year before. No, um, certainly not. And so I think this is K-State's best team out of those, assuming Thompson plays. Um, but I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I do think Oklahoma is the significantly better team. Yeah. And no so question. I think that they're likely to win. Hard to argue with that. Um, well, we will be back after a short break to answer listener questions in the Ask the Icon segment. And also highlight another in the long line of Wildcat legends. Join us after the break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. You're listening to the Icon. You're listening to DLU. And Icon, now we're going to get into a segment, a segment where we like to highlight former players who played for Kansas State. You, you know, DLU, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. This is my favorite segment of the show. You love it because, to be honest with you, you know, sometimes it, we too easily forget about our past. And there is no better way than to to capture that than by high, highlighting another. I mean, I say it, you know, as part of this, the lead-in here, but it really is a long list of Wildcat legends that, that we have to choose from. Yeah, of course. I love doing it. But it's a segment... And we, and we thank you for it. But it's a segment that we like to call This Week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, This Week's Wildcat Legend hails from Wichita, America. Oh. A homegrown boy. Homegrown. you have any guesses? Oh, uh, that narrows it down a little bit. But it's not I... Bryce Brown, it's not Chris Harper. Is it Arthur Brown? No. Oh, well, okay, continue. <laughs> he, uh, this was a DOD guy. It was way back. Way back, okay. You know, it feels like most of the Wildcat Legends we have kind of far from the more recent history, you tend to be from the era that where they have bios on kstatesports.com. Um, for some, that just happens. That happens to be the case, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Happenstance. But uh, this guy hails from Wichita, Kansas. Went to North High School. Okay. He played for the, for the Wildcats from 1993 to 1996. He set the Kansas State record for most career sacks at the time with 27 and a half and most sacks in a season with 11 and a half. He did that in 1996. Any thoughts? Wichita Sackmaster. I have a guess, but I need one more hint and I think I'll get it. Uh, he played professional football for the Tampa Bay Storm. Played all the way till 2008 for the Storm. Wow, so he had some length in the, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the next level. You know, gosh, I think I've got it. I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm a little bit out there on a limb here, but I'm going to go with Niall Wyron. It's absolutely Niall Wyron. Wow. Heck of a job, yeah. All right. So, like I said, he uh, he set the K-State sack record, uh, nice long career, uh, played with the uh, Storm for 10 years, even, even earned uh, second-team All-Arena honors in 2004. How about that? Wow, how about that, yeah. Uh, and after uh, retiring from the storm, he actually coached for him too, uh, back in 2011. And uh, not only that, but this guy's a movie star as well. A movie star? Yeah, he was a stunt double in The Longest Yard. Remember that movie? Of course. You know who, stunt, who he was stunt double for? Was it the Texas Rattlesnake? Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah, it was. Yeah. So well, how about that? Yeah, not bad. Um, yeah, he was in Paramount Pictures, The Longest Yard. Um, he might still hold that record for, for sacks, although I think uh, Ian Campbell may have uh, mm. broken it there yeah. in that, uh, what was it, 2006? 2006, yeah, was his big season, yeah. Yeah, so um, anyway, not wiring. These days he's uh, still in Tampa Bay, working for a company called Quiet Professionals. Uh they do consulting type stuff down in the Bay Area. Okay. So, uh, anyway, now why, he had that famous, you know, belly suplex. to belly to back suplex. Really, you know, maybe he sent that in and said this to the producers of, of the Longest Yards, and when they looked at this guy, they were like, "Oh, this guy, this guy can go. This guy can go. This guy can take a couple bumps too. This guy can if, take if a if bump. He, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He's a uh, he was a um, you know a a menace there because I mean you, the the play I'm talking about, which is obviously the one you know you're referring to, is I believe it's against Iowa State. Yeah, running back gets the ball, I believe, or or maybe I might have even been the quarterback on a sack, and he you know just gets him and he uh, he suplexes him right over, and uh, it was a play that if that happened today he would probably be jailed. Oh, they would throw him in prison. Yeah. So yeah, no, this is this is the quarterback there, and just oh, yeah, right on the crown, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, right on the crown of uh, the quarterback's head. That could not have felt good. Speaking of uh, controversial hits on the quarterback, how about Joe Hennington just really twisting the ankle of uh, Spencer Sanders on Saturday? You know, he got a little bit of grief about that. Huh? Yeah, they they kind of they kind of got his goat a little bit. Here's a here's another clip we're watching now of called. Niall Wyron crushes Colorado State quarterback. And man, he really gives him the business there. You know, uh, the thing too about Niall Wyron is he kind of, he, he played with that energy that this is a guy that is, you know, he's out there with reckless abandon, which you love to see. Yeah, this one uh, really is more of a form tackle where he just 
buries his head in his chest. Uh, but clean hit. I mean, got him with the face mask right in Absolutely. the right in the sternum there, and and buries him in the ground. So, but it's those kind of uh, light up plays that he produced on the field that kind of ingratiated himself into the hearts of Wildcats everywhere. And it's great to see him doing doing work off the field of quiet professionals, kind of consulting on some national security stuff. But his ability to to make big plays on the field and continue on after football. It makes Niall Wyron this week's Wildcat legend. Now, Icon, we're going to get into our final segment on the show. This is a segment that we here at the Short Side Option call Ask the Icon, where listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Option's very own Chris the Icon Sork, uh, and he'll answer. He'll, uh, I will. I'll do it. He'll answer them right here on this show. And listeners can submit their questions via Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast or using the hashtag AskTheIcon. Or, um, you know, uh, send us a LinkedIn message. Yeah, right. I check it. Yeah. I'm always, you know, trying to grow over on a professional network. Or go go on to Manhattan Brewing and walk, walk right up to the bartender and say, Hey! <laughs> I need you to pass this on to the icon. <laughs> I got a question for the icon. So, I, that's, that's, uh, that's how you can Anywhere do it. works. Anywhere yeah. works. Uh, and so this week's first question comes from at KSU underscore funny 33 always does a good job asking questions and he asks should we be rethinking Klein as quarterback coach not a bad question now when he refers to Klein he obviously refers to K-State uh, legend uh, Colin Klein yeah Former, although not a Wildcat legend not a Wildcat legend by this yet. show yet not yet not maybe yet. His 20 time. years or so yeah his time will come his yeah. time will come but gosh you know I think it is time to question it because you know Colin Klein's been here at K-State for, I believe, his first year uh, coaching the quarterbacks. I want to say that was like 2017. Yes. If that if that is correct. and So that's pretty much lined up with Skylar Thompson's career. Right. You haven't seen maybe the jump you would have hoped to see. Haven't seen much Skylar Thompson in the last two years, period. So it's a yeah. little hard to judge. But... Um, yeah, you he hasn't seen quite a, taken that next step where he's kind of above replacement, I guess, where it's um, you expect him to be one of the upper-tier quarterbacks in the Big 12, and I think part of that's because he hasn't really seen much time in the last yeah, two years. Yeah, been fighting the injuries. But, you know, a little bit disappointed with what I've seen from Will Howard so far. Haven't seen him take a big step. Um, now, granted, he's still young. I mean, I don't know if I see it really with Will Howard, but... I think it's time to, to, to question a little bit about what uh, what uh, you know the quarterbacks have done under Colin Klein under his tutelage. I haven't seen a whole lot uh, here in the last you know call it four full years of of the uh, at the quarterback position to see where I've seen a whole lot of marked improvement. So you know, unlike not necessarily unlike any of the other coaches, I think that there's room for improvement. Uh, you know, really across the board, but uh, you know the quarterback rooms. Maybe the most important, you know, in terms of, a, I mean, there's no question it is the most important position on the field. Uh, so that one easily draws maybe a little bit more ire than some. But uh, I think there are certainly some questions there. Well, and you think of the contrast of, of Kleinman's offenses he had at North Dakota State, which, of course, had 
totally star quarterbacks, especially, I mean, at the FCS level, these guys were larger than life. With Yeah. Well, Carson Wentz was the number two overall pick, I believe. Easton Stick. Yeah. Easton Stick. Uh, Trey Lance. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- these are guys that ha- have gone on. Legitimate almost, superstars. Yeah. I mean, and when, that's not easy to do with that level, to almost be a household name when you're playing in Fargo. Um, and then you compare it to K-State, which has been really a circus at the quarterback position, whether it's due to injury or whether it's due to the competition uh, that we saw in, in during the Snyder yeah. era when Klein yeah. was, was here. but Or, I'm sorry, when Klein was the quarterback's coach. Um, but it's really been a circus. So, uh, fair to say, time uh, Klein's seat ought to be a, at least a little bit warm. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Well, I agree. Um I, I think uh, I think he's on notice that uh, you know he's been kind of dealt kind of a tough hand with some of the injuries and, and not the not a whole lot behind Skylar Thompson, but uh, the quarterback position hasn't been a bright spot for the K State offense for the better part of the last five years. Uh, our next question comes from listener Tyler H at th eight underscore. He asks, with the new Big Twelve SEC Challenge schedule announced, should the Big Twelve teams play or boycott against the Evil SEC and ESPN. SEC SPN. MSE, MSEC SPN. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boycott it. I say boycott it too. <laughs> boycott it. You know, because we, we're playing Ole Miss, I believe. <sighs> yeah. ESPN, we're stuck on ESPNU. Bruce and the cast deserve much better than that. I, um, yeah, let's go ahead and boycott. Why not? Why not? You know? I now, care. I mean, it's, it's an easy win that we'll be you know, kind of giving up there, you know, against uh, Ole Miss for Bruce and the gang. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have to take your principles. You know, yeah, th- those have to mean something to you. Yeah. I because, Dilu, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Is this an episode of Philosopher's Corner? I, I'm, I'm kind of chiming in there a little bit. You know, kind of channeling a little bit of that there uh unfortunately uh we're not taking a visit to the corner this week so that's that's gonna have to be our, our trip there okay well I'm, I'm happy i can provide at least a little bit of uh zen so to speak here um zen yeah zen yeah <laughs> um our next uh tyler also asks what are our quarterbacks all stink i think we just kind of got to that one we got there yeah yeah um a little bit of Guys being pressed maybe a little bit uh, too far or a little bit too early into duty. Quite frankly, maybe not really quality enough. To In, the, injuries, youth, lack of talent. Take a pick. All three. Uh, and finally, uh, Tyler's last question is, will we ever have another stud or dud? Which, good question this week because yeah, a loss is. to the Sooners is going to make even, uh, it's going to make things hard even for Kirk Bulls. Yeah, you know, we received five votes, I believe, this week at the AP poll, uh, you know, to kind of keep our ourselves in the receiving votes category. You know, I don't want to say never or, you know, never this season where we get back into studs and duds, but, you know, with you being the, the mastermind behind that whole, well, not you, I mean, it's the algorithm, let's get... Well, I built the algorithm. Yeah, you built the algorithm, but the algo does the lifting. Yeah. I mean, let's just, That's let's just call it like it is there. Um, yeah, it might be. It very well could be. A loss, which we were both calling for for K-State, 
Uh, we'll drop them out of the receiving votes portion of the top 25. Still plenty of season left, though. I don't want to say um, that Casey doesn't get back into that portion of uh, of the kind of the national eye, but I will say this. It might be a little bit of a, uh, a hiatus, so to speak, uh, before we get another studs and duds. Uh, next question comes from listener Beantown Cat, uh, BTC at Beantown Cat 22. Yes, Icon. Not really a question, but I just wanted to say I really enjoy the work you and D. Lou do on the podcast. Love Beantown Cat. I got wow. your response. We appreciate every one of our listeners, and we love that feedback. Uh, of course, any positive con, uh, positive um, you know, thoughts or positive remarks always well uh, welcomed there. And uh, of course, if you have any constructive criticism, we're more than welcome to that too. No, but don't be too mean. If you have constructive criticism, you that's better. one that that's one that you take to Manhattan Brewing Company. And- yeah, yes, them, and then they'll relate <laughs> to us. They they let us down a little bit easier. You know, they're they're those guys. They know how to kind of you know let us down easy a little bit. That's right. Um, and uh, our final question, I believe, this week comes from listener uh, Rap Snacks Consumer. You ever had the Rap Snacks? I don't know if I'm familiar with this. They are uh, like chips named after rappers that they have in gas stations. Huh. I haven't, I haven't had. But oh, okay. They, I, I oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I've seen those. Yeah. Uh, yes, Icon. What are your thoughts on league on the legal environment as it relates to copyright infringement? You know, I think he's referring to the uh, ESPN doing its own studs and duds. Well, you know, Dilo. It's kind of a joke. I think it's despicable. I think it's I'm gross. Just, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be ahead. Go ahead and say it's despicable. It's that SECS. They they take something that has been such a strong and well cultivated brand, and they're passing it off as their own. Get Sick, real. It's sickening. Makes makes me want to puke. Makes me want to puke. I think that's exact. I think that's exactly what I was gonna <laughs> Didn't say. Didn't Gundy say that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's garbage. He makes me want to puke. <laughs> <laughs> he was he, he was the man. I that. love that. That speech is legitimately. You know, awesome. I was actually looking this up. He's one of the longest tenure coaches in the country. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I bet. Like, who was longer tenure? Probably like was it Frank Solich in Ohio? Yeah, was probably he, longer. And then, and then he stepped down. I was I was just looking at this. Kyle Whittingham from Utah is right around that same. Kind of time frame, but I mean, you have to think about it. Those comments were, I believe, made in like t- 2006, and I think Gundy's first year coaching uh, for for the Cowboys was that year, if I remember correctly. So he's been at it for a long time, um, and Gary Patterson's been around. Kirk Ferentz is the most long, longest tenure one that I can think of, but uh, gosh, yeah, he he's been around for a long time. Uh, yeah. They're on yeah. the on the sidelines there in Stillwater. Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. I'm just looking at a list of longest tenured head coaches just because uh, it's an interesting list. You got Ken uh, Niamatololo. Niamatololo. I I butchered DJ, DJ's name from Clemson earlier. Ungugule. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Then another uh, academy guy, Troy Calhoun. Those those academy guys, they stick around a little bit. Yeah, Nick Saban over at uh, some outfit called Alabama. Never heard of him. Pat Fitzgerald's been there since uh, 2006. Then, of course, Rick Stockstill. Yeah, down in the middle. 
Yep. And then uh, Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy have been together longer than all those guys. January of 2005. Uh, Frank Solich edged him out. Uh, Whittingham, as you mentioned, hired in December 2004 at Utah. Gary Patterson all the way back the turn of the millennium Jeez. for the Frogs and Kirk Ferentz. Well, you know, you kind of forget about how long Gary Patterson has been there because, of course, with the Mountain West days for for T- Texas Christian, you know, they he's been there and he's had that program, you know, going at a pretty good clip, a little bit of a step back, maybe a little bit, you know, here in the last couple of years, but uh, he's been TCU football there for uh, for the longest uh, for you know one of the longest senior coaches in college football and uh, you know definitely <coughs> one of the longest tenured ones in the Big Twelve. Well, and as we segue kind of out of Ask the Icon and into kind of our round uh, around the Big 12 segment that we've kind of been developing over the last yeah, few Yeah, we kind of have, haven't we? Uh, Gary Patterson's an interesting segue there because there's a lot of drama. Yeah, there has been. Down in the stockyards in Fort Worth on uh, on Saturday. As Flag they lost, Yeah, as they lost the iron skillet to the crosstown rival SMU. And, yeah, Southern uh, Methodist really t- kind of took it to them in that game. They sure, yeah, Southern Methodist kind of took it to Texas Christian. Um did you have you been following any of this stuff? Yeah, I have. It's and pretty funny. <laughs> it's a little odd. Uh, I'll let you tell the story because you're a much better storyteller than I. Well, so I don't know all the details all that well. I, as I understand it, SMU won the game. They were going to go do the flag planting and at midfield, which has kind of become in vogue over the yeah. last five years or so. And naturally, um, TCU's team was still out there. A brawl broke out because they're not going to disrespect us on our home turf. No, of course uh, not. A fracas breaks out, and amidst the fracas, uh, Jerry Kill gets knocked knocked over. Uh, <laughs> per Gary Patterson, says uh, Jerry Kill apparently suffered a concussion. Oh, okay. And he was. I didn't wa- see that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was, I saw he got hit. I didn't see he had a concussion. Well, Patterson said he got a concussion and was blaming the SMU players for it. And then video footage gets revealed of uh, some coach for TCU. You can't really make out who it is, but apparently it's Jared Kill. He does get knocked over, but he gets knocked over by TCU players. <laughs> kind of in the chaos. And Patterson, Jared Kill, of course, uh, epileptic. Has yeah, seen. yeah. And Patterson's saying that, um, you know, this is a dangerous thing to knock over an epileptic guy. It's like, that's how seizures get started. It's, it's true, which is it, true. It, it's All not, not true. true. Yeah. I mean... I guess that's one way seizures can, can occur. But, yeah, um, should be not. But, but it turns out it was DC players. Yeah, um, friendly fire. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, a lot of drama down in, in Texas right now uh, with frogs, and, and that's kind of in the story of TCU's week. Um, you know, we got uh, a game against Oklahoma this week, of course, and then. Iowa State drops one last week to Western Virginia, and Iowa State. Iowa State lost to Baylor. Oh, you're 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 absolutely right. Oklahoma played West Virginia last week, but Iowa State, man, talk about a team that, you know, this was their season, uh, and now they find themselves two and two after just four games, with their only wins being over a, a squeaker against Northern Iowa, in a, a drubbing uh, against Nevada, Las Vegas. So things not going so hot up in Ames. Um, where else? Texas Tech, Tyler Shuck, out. Yeah, out until looks like until later part of the season, if at all. Boy, talk about another team in the Big Twelve that's had quarterback injuries over yeah, the last few years. Alan Bowman at, at Tech, blowing had, lungs, and now Tyler yeah. Shuck. Well, and you know, you mentioned that uh, that 
you know, Texas Tech had to be feeling pretty good going in to that game. Give up 70 to uh, Texas. You kind of get left scratching your head a little bit about it. If you're a Red Raider fan on, on what's going on there in Lubbock, you know, let's look at some other – the other the big game in the week, Oklahoma State-Baylor uh, down in Stillwater. Yeah. Two undefeated teams at 4-0. Baylor's been a really pleasant surprise here. Uh, that big game against Iowa State really kind of propels them in the rankings. Uh, you know, checking in this week at 21 – this is a game that uh, if you want to see somebody, you know, what was originally kind of viewed as a two-horse race, you know, to, to get to Arlington between Oklahoma and Iowa State, neither team between Oklahoma and Iowa State looking all that impressive. Of course, OU still undefeated. Iowa State now has lost two games, one in conference. This is a game where you can really start seeing some separation as, you know, the winner of this game is really getting themselves in a good spot here uh, with a win. Uh, obviously, maybe Baylor more so than anyone, uh, kind of flying here uh, a little bit under the radar uh, as one, maybe one of the teams that challenges for one of those top two spots in the Big 12. Absolutely, and so definitely something to watch down in Stillwater on Saturday. That game is at 6 p.m. You can find it. What is that game on? Uh, it's ESPN? on the Deuce. It's on the Deuce. Yeah. Wow, so, you know, I, I'll never understand how they select – games for what network because here we are on Fox in a game that you and I are both expecting to be not that great and there's Oklahoma State Baylor two ranked teams to just a really intriguing matchup here uh, in the conference race uh, relegated to the deuce so um, who knows who knows on that you know one thing I did want to mention D'Lo and we're going to kind of maybe cut we're not going to hit every big 12 game this week but this could very well be Oklahoma's last trip to Manhattan in some time. And I brought up the point on Twitter, you know, there's been over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, I mean, there's been some pretty memorable games in this K-State Oklahoma series. And, you know, I asked folks to kind of share what some of their favorite memories are, obviously for K-State fans. 2005, no punter. No, well, that, that one was is quite the memory. Uh, 2003. The Big Twelve Championship oh, yeah. game. Yeah, that, that was, was a nice one. Too. That was the you know thirty-five to seven. That was a great joke to have to if he had any OU uh, friends around saying six twenty-five p.m. Wait, what time is it? Yeah, thirty-five to seven. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that one never went out of style. No, so um, but you know if this is the last time that uh, Oklahoma comes to Manhattan, it, it, it certainly wouldn't be surprising. But it, it it's no less a a shame in terms of kind of what has transpired here over the last several months in terms of Big 12 realignment. You know, Dilu, I'm going to ask you, outside of that 2003 game uh, against uh, against Oklahoma and Arrowhead, any particular game come to mind when you think of this uh, this series over the last uh, several years? Over, over the last several years? Several years, um, can be a, several years can be, like, you know, for me, the other day could be, literally yesterday or it could be like 10 years ago saying like the other day well so we'll say we'll expand this as far back as you need to well aside from recent history we don't we don't have a lot of success against the Sooners although more than you think um 2012 man uh down in Norman yeah that's what a game great one uh that was really K-State's arrival to the national conversation yeah absolutely uh where you know K-State coming off a nice 
2011 season went out and won a lot of lot of, of talk games. that the, that the 2012 team was kind of smoke and mirrors off of the 2011. You know how good is this K State team? They won a lot of close games. Yeah, they turn a lot, but how much? How, how good are they? Their really? margins weren't very wide last yeah. year. And by the way, Oklahoma torched K State yeah. 2011. I yeah. mean that was another devastating uh, game in that one because K State. Yeah. Was feeling pretty darn good in 2011, yeah, and then just got absolutely. run off the field. Uh, but in 2012, down in Norman, uh, really a defensive slugfest um, up against Landry Jones, who turned out to be an unconfident loser. Um, but John Hubert, monster day. Uh, Justin Togel getting the the uh, big defensive score. Yep. Um, yeah. Strip sack there, Jarrell Childs. Pouncing on it, yeah. You know that was a, that was the really the big play for K State in that one. Yeah, and that was just a, a great football game. I yeah, mean, it was just. Uh, and K State was a huge underdog in that game. Yeah, they were like two. Um, they were fifteen point dogs in that game. So that aside from two thousand three, that one is my favorite uh, OU game. Of course, going all the way back to the nineties, you have. I believe it was uh, the Mitch Holtis, Bill Moses, Snyder. Yeah. Uh, Let my people go. Pharaoh parts the Red Sea yeah. sort of soliloquy. Yeah. The only Mitch can deliver something like that. Yeah. And you have Snyder dressed like he's <laughs> like a stormtrooper. <laughs> like he's like a like, like he's a, a like as a soldier Soviet on, soldier in Siberia. I was gonna say like a soldier on Hoth. You know, like yeah. Uh, you know, get the whole. It, I mean, just a looking, gray jumps. Just a total gray outfit. blob. Sometimes my wife gives me a hard time when I wear a lot of gray. Yeah, she, she calls, calls me a blob. Yeah, she calls you the gray blob, and hey. she, you're wearing your grout fit. And I, you know, and I just say, I'm like, hey, I'm just looking like the legend out here. I'm just know? looking like Coach Snyder. Exactly right. The, my man, Coach Snyder. Um, you know, I'm gonna go to a game that. Is a game that I really wish K State would have won, and that's the two thousand K State two thousand eight. Oh, year two thousand. I thought you were talking about twenty eight twenty eight. No, twenty eight twenty eight. That was pretty legendary. Yeah, that was a legendary. Boy, game. that two thousand ten game was crazy too. The Daniel Thomas jump. Two thousand nine. Oh, is that two thousand nine? Yeah, I get mixed up sometimes. Yeah, because we played. Because uh, my freshman year was two thousand ten. We didn't play OU. Oh. You're right. That was before the round robin. Yeah. Okay. But that 2000 OU game, a lot of, I mean, if K-State would have won last week, you would have had some similarities to that because we'd be feeling it would be a ranked matchup. Obviously, K-State at that point was number two in the country in 2000. They welcome in kind of an upstart OU team. I mean, no one really thought much of OU coming into the season. They roll over Texas in the Red River game the week before. Had some bozo quarterback named Josh Heifel. Rag arm. Yeah. But, but boy, could he drop that in the trash he, And he just, it, that 2000, and, and then we got another chance against him in, in Arrowhead in the Big 12 Championship game, and God, we could have won that one too easily. And it was uh, That pass was tipped. Oh, of course it was. Everyone knows it. I'll take it to my grave. Yeah. And in that, but that 2000 game at, uh, at K-State, the last time college game day was in Manhattan, and big time atmosphere, top ten matchup, K State with very real national title expectations in that season, and you know, no game comes to mind in my mind that I've been to any sport, whether if it's college football, 
college basketball, professional football, where there is a more precise moment of pandemonium than when Drew Thalman blocks the uh, punt and Terrence Newman runs it in for a touchdown to cut that to a seven-point game early part of the fourth quarter. And at that point, and I I know I've said this to anyone that will listen, I will go ahead and say it's not only the loudest moment in K-State history, it's the loudest moment in human history. Yeah. Krakatoa, step aside. Drew Thalman blocking that punt. Terrence Newman running it in. And K-State uh, cutting it. Because there was just so much into that game. Oklahoma was, you know, got out to a big lead. Well, there was it, so much talk going into that game, of course, with Bobby Stoops. Right, the, the, Stoops uh, the, the Stoops drama and all yeah, that. Yeah, and, you know, it was a charged up. Built, KSU Stadium at the time. Yeah, Wagner Field. Ch- yeah, charged up KSU Stadium. We were looking for blood, and we thought we were going to get it. I, I felt going into that game very confident that K-State would win that one. And, uh, you know, that's one that K-State came, came up short in. But when I look back at it, you know, there, those are some of the moments that I look at in terms of two very good teams uh, hooking it up out there on the, on the football field. And it, if this is the last time that Oklahoma does come to Manhattan, it, it's certainly a shame that uh, the events that have transpired to get us there. Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to use this word uh, just because it's become so cliche, but truly an, an epic game in terms of two two heavyweights, one the eventual national champion, yeah, and a pretty good team, pretty good K State team in its own right, uh, squaring off with a lot of um, blood, uh, a lot of hatred among yeah. those two programs I mean, at the time. There's there's all sorts of things you could talk. About. I mean, I could do. A whole podcast on that 2000 game because that game is I I rewatch that game probably once every two years once every year. Well, welcome back to the 2000 OU game podcast. <laughs> yeah, we could I episode could go five. On. I could go. I, I could do a five part series on that game. I love it. Uh, you know that game. That's I think that after that game is I think the first time I ever heard my dad say a cuss word. Yeah, I was is that, is that so? That's right. Yeah, we. Just lost a devastating... And back then, we didn't really lose home games. That was what I was going to say. That's the first game I remember us ever losing home. Yeah. I mean, we just, that didn't seem like that really yeah. happened. Yeah. Certainly, we didn't in 98. We didn't in 99. Did in 97. Yeah. So that was the first home loss case that it had in a long time. And, you know, at our age, yeah. I, I was 11. You were, what, 9? Uh, uh, yeah. So it we didn't really have many formed memories of going to a, a K-State home game and Going away, losers. Yeah, going away at the end. Of the, yeah, and so it, it was devastating. But so after the game, it, it was kind of sad. And my dad and I we were kind of hungry, so we stopped at Arby's right over there on uh, Bluemont. Yeah, and uh, there's some Sooner fans and and Arby's too, and they're you know squawking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Those OU fans, and they, they know they were running their mouth after that. And my dad was just had enough of it and said, "You know what? You guys are so damn arrogant." And I I remember thinking, "Oh." That's bad. I know. Kind of, kind of, kind of cool. Kind of scary. Very scary. <laughs> but uh, man, yeah. So and and just the it, w- it was always a lot of fun when when that rivalry was really hot. Uh, just because the oh you'd always bring their band and uh, yeah. Oh, you sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a hot environment. That yeah. was. You know, I was probably a little too young to remember '98 against Nebraska. 
in totality. But that game was as charged up as I've seen a, a college football game in Manhattan in a long time. Yeah. So, like you said, it, it's uh, it, it's going to close the chapter, possibly. Possibly. Yeah. On, on an era of K-State hosting Oklahoma uh, in Manhattan, and uh, sorry to see it go, but uh, certainly some good memories over uh, a rivalry, which is pretty back and forth uh, over the last 20 years. Um, you know, K-State on the losing end most of the time over the last two decades, but certainly got some uh, shots in there. I will say this, that 2003 game against Oklahoma in Arrowhead that helped a lot in yeah. terms of kind of, I mean, that was the biggest game. That's it, still the biggest game in K-State history. I mean, yeah. the, the biggest win mm-hmm. um, in terms of what I think, what it meant for the program um, at the time. And, you know, K-State, of course, really the last bright spot K-State had for some time until 2006 when K-State was starting to get hot under Prince yeah. and, and things were looking pretty bright there. But that 2003 game... Yeah, it's the best K State game ever. Yeah, I mean it, it. I mean, Darren Sproles goes off for. I could argue three hundred on that. What? I could say ninety eight Nebraska. Oh, fair enough. I could. I'll accept, I could, I could I'll, accept, argue that. I'll accept that as well. But you can say, well, the ninety eight Nebraska we didn't win a conference title in that game. Yeah, no, that, and, that's, and, a, that's and a good get, point. And you get there, so I, I, I can and, and I'll, I'll say I wasn't at the ninety eight Nebraska game. I was, and I cried at halftime because we were losing. <laughs> No, that's because you're you were sad. You're a little baby. I was sad. Um, so yeah, I'm a little biased because I was at the 2003 game. December, well, and I was December six, and I wasn't at the 2003. No, there you go. So I, I, we have maybe different opinions because of how close we were to it. Yeah, but the the 03 OU game, my favorite K State game ever, just because what a shocking result that was. Yeah. Um, but you know what I will say though, it is shocking because that was the greatest college football team of the history of mankind, right, going into that game. Yeah, and K-State had some struggles. They did, but, you know, I w- remember going in that 2003 season saying, bring it on. I mean, this team is will beat Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was preseason, like, number one. And I thought that a full-strength K-State against a full-strength Oklahoma, I liked our chances. Now, obviously, a lot transpired between the beginning of the season to where we found ourselves, but... You know, that was a team, that 2003 team, an injury to L. Roberson really derailed things. It's maybe one of the great what-ifs in K-State uh, history that if he doesn't get injured against Troy, what what happens to K-State that season? Still maybe lose to Vince Young. Possibly. Uh, also maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but oh, L was in that Texas game. so He was. was a little uh, rusty. A little rusty. Yeah. Come on, man. But uh, anyway... It's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, those OU games have been. A lot. I mean, even the lousy ones. Even like we said, 08, 28, 28. I mean, yeah. Well, and even in that two thousand eleven game where you mentioned where K State gets blown out, K State takes the lead late in the second quarter there, and it really turns the tide. And that was a charged up uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium that day. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. And unfortunately, the second half came. And because uh, that was right after the, was that right after the Baylor game? No, so that would have been right after, I believe we beat Texas Tech the week before. Ah. Or no, not Texas Tech. We just beat KU the week before. Oklahoma had lost to Texas Tech in Norman. And uh, That's right. that was supposed to be the game day. That game. late night game in yeah. Norman. Yeah, and it was supposed to be the game day game. Oklahoma losing took a little bit of the shine off that. And 
you know, maybe just as well as it was. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think maybe that uh, was maybe in a hindsight we didn't need the microscope on uh, yeah. in Manhattan that day. Well, but anyway, it's been a um, it's been a fun series, and you know, K State's came and, and upset. And the reason why I kind of bring this up here is because if it is the end of the year, and if we look back at this kind of uh, series with Oklahoma, I hesitate to really call it a rivalry because there's no real history of a rivalry in terms of any type of trophy or anything like that. But I will say this, early 2000s for about a three, four year stretch, it was pretty hot uh, with the, with Bobby Stoops taking, taking the staff and, you know, raiding uh, the Bill Snyder, the Bill Snyder tree and, and, the, and the coaching staff at K-State. So, and then 2003 happens. And so we host them early in the season yeah. in 2004 with Dylan Meyer and it's K-State. And K-State's right in that game. Well, and K-State was feeling pretty high uh, coming into that. 2004 season too. Yeah. I, mean, I think we were uh, we, preseason we were, top 15. Yeah, and so obviously dropped uh, a couple games. Yeah, but um, anyway, that had a lot of fun storylines with it. 2005, of course, all sorts of crazy things yeah. happened. All sorts of things. Yeah, the there. punter mishap. You had uh, the bomb going the off. The bomb outside. going off. I mean, yeah. and then uh, yeah, so it's. Every Oklahoma game, it feels like you can recall, you you remember where you were yep. in a particular year, and the, the same can't quite be said. I feel like for, for things like games. Texas Tech, yeah, things sure. like Baylor, sure. So, well, I think that wraps up here for the this episode, the short side option. A lot of fun, kind of looking back at at uh, you know some some uh, some Oklahoma memories that that we have, and you know there have been some good ones and. And uh, it's been a it's been a fun series to have with the Sooners. So, folks, I'll wrap it up here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Of course, be sure to follow us on Twitter at tsso underscore podcast. If you're in Manhattan this weekend, of course, uh, be sure to visit our our friends over at Manhattan Brewing Company. I know they're uh, excited to welcome folks back into uh, to uh, Manhattan here for the first uh, the home opener here of the conference season. And uh, should be a fun time uh, in Manhattan this weekend. So, folks, that'll do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and go Cats!